G'day legends and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and on the Wednesday pot noodle, I'm joined by Liam, Shane and making his Celtic Down Under podcast debut is Mooney. How are you Mooney? Yeah, I'm good mate. Thanks for this. It'll be good fun. Uh, glad to have you aboard mate. Um, you know, no pressure or anything, just come in, have a chat and then uh, yeah, just enjoy yourself. It's basically the vibe is... It's four of us, like we're at a pub pre-game, just talking a bit of rubbish and watching Celtic or whatever. So we'll be fine. We've uh, got a few topics to get through tonight. So um, and we've got a big derby on the weekend to preview. So we'll go. Uh, how are you, Liam? Good. Uh, I just want to thank the uh, the Emperor of Japan for scheduling his birthday for the day after our show, so I can have a day off tomorrow and a nice wee rest. Very considerate uh, of him. Happy days, mate. Happy days. And how are you, Shane? I'm good, thanks, Jared. And uh, it's uh, particularly pertinent you mentioned the uh, upcoming derby because um, I think most people are well and truly aware now I'm a victory fan uh, in the local A-League here and I'm still very much revelling in an unexpected derby win against City. So it's it's been a good week so far. Hey, that was pretty handy, mate. You know, bottom beating top was, uh, and putting the reigning champs from last year in dead last now. It's even better. So, um <laughs> Yeah, that's that derby over and done with, and we'll we'll gear up on this episode to the Glasgow derby in the League Cup. So, before we start, before there's any comments, it's uh it's bad shirt day. In tribute to Liam and the top C wears <laughs> and all the crap he's been copping online. So we've all gone out for you, mate. So I uh, hope you hope you're feeling the love here. Yep, I appreciate it, mate. Uh... Not sure if my, my eyes are going to appreciate it later on when I watch it back, but I appreciate it all the same. Thank you. Andrew Galea in the comments. Fancy dress day. Shane's got the spew top 100%. Mate. <laughs> what a class top that is. All right. So what we'll do is, um, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the Soak Down Under podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. And uh, like the video as well. It helps us in the algorithm. And uh, Sean's comment, I thought you were wearing bad shirts, beautiful fashion show. 100%, mate. The only thing missing is a bunch of mullets as well to just round it all out. (laughs) (laughs) So before we dive into everything, Monday nights on the channel, 8 p.m. Perth time, is the weekend review, which is Sean hosting... Paul, Anthony, and Tommy, when he's available, I think it's the next week or the week after he's back from holidays, he'll be wrapping up the weekend's games in, you know, forensic detail. Tuesday night is the Tuesday crew. They made their debut show last night. It was good to see him on the channel. They're getting on there, just quick chat about the games, both sides of the podcast, and then talking about a bunch of other things like history and, and stuff like that. So it's great. And then you've got us as the uh, Wednesday Pot Nerd, or the, the original show where we get on. We'll also have a quick little chit-chat about the games, but then the main focus is the, the current news topics that have been come up early in the week and then rolling that out into previewing the weekend's game. So a lot of new content on the channel, so I hope you're all enjoying it. And Vinny, no, it's not Mardi Gras theme, mate. Happy days. <laughs> so um, I'll go to you, Liam. Celtic for Aberdeen nil. So I just want to get your overall view of the game and um, yeah, what your take on it all was, and we'll just go from there. So, where are you, mate? Um, 
it was a really, really good game to watch. Um, it was the real Hatati show, basically, wasn't it? I mean, it's just the, his his performance there was, I think, the best performance as an individual he's had since he scored those two goals in the in the uh, Glasgow derby last year. Um, possibly even better. Um, it really was just such a a great performance. But the whole team did it. You know, we. We've taken some flack in recent weeks for easing off in the second half, apparently, but that's because most of the time the game is won by half-time because of the way we've been playing. That's not Celtic's fault. But I think we did turn the screw a bit more this weekend and we pushed on and we uh, we got some more goals. And it was a, a really, really thoroughly... It was an entertaining game. It was a, a good game in terms of, uh, you know, no major injuries picked up or anything. It was the perfect prep for a, a cup final. Just on that, Liam, like for me, yeah, it was the Rio Hatade show. It was just immense watching him play. I thought the other thing that stood out to me in the game was I liked O, the way he had his back to goal and was drawing it and playing the ball off to guys like Hatade when he came forward or um, Haksabanovic later on when he came on. So he was making that target and got, the ball was going in and he was popping it back out. So that is something that Andrew's teams do a lot of. So it was good to see that. Um, one thing that I want to say is first, you know, first half, it's 2 0 at half time, going on 6 0. Like that's how dominant we were in that first half. Second half, I didn't see much drop off either. So yeah, we'll throw to you, Mooney. No, no, no pressure here. What was your take on the game? Ali Russell made his debut in a in a Rangers derby, so might as well step up and make mine in a derby week as well. Um, big thing I had, I, I was going to talk about O just like you did. It was his actual target man play was something that was quite impressive for me to watch. I um, it's a one a.m. kickoff, so it's a bit difficult to watch here in Brizzy. But when I watched the uh, the replay. I was quite happy with, you know, being fixated on Owen, what sort of movement he's going to have now that we've lost Giamakis. Whereabouts is Owen going to sit in the fold? Um, and he's a very different striker to Kyogo. So I was quite happy to sit there and watch that from a, you know, a striking perspective. Um, O's movement, his actual build-up play and where he sits in the team. And, you know, like you were saying, that link-up play where he's able to drop in and lay it back to the oncoming midfield players and involve them into the game. I think that's something Kyogo doesn't quite have. Um, So we've got two very different strikers, which is only going to, you know, be beneficial for us moving forward. Um, So that's the biggest takeaway that I took from the game, watching that back on the replays. So with O... The difference is, like, for me, I look at it, he's got a bit more movement than Jackamakis mm. had. So Jackamakis was that centre forward, but he'd get the ball there and want to score. O has got, looks like the halfway between Jackamakis and Kyogo in terms he's got movement, but he can play where he holds the ball and play it off like that. So he's got some good, he's got good footwork mm. to do that as well. Now, Very Shane, selfless in his play. Exactly. And Shane, the reason I jumped in now before I throw it to you is because this one is directly straight down. I'm setting you up. All you got to do is tap it in. It's an empty net, mate. How badly would Tom Rogic love to have played off someone like O? Oh, can you imagine um, him getting on the score sheet almost every week with, with him involved and the way that he would link up with him? And just to comment on on O, and, and I echo the sentiments uh, already put forward, 
But the one thing too that I enjoyed was the fact that he was dropping deeper and sort of making space behind him. If you actually look at the second goal, part of the way that it, what Rio parts the seas gets through and is able to slot it in past the keeper. And one of the big reasons is O has actually come out, vacated that space, dragged a few defenders out of their usual zone, which then enabled Hatate to kind of fake that pass, step in and score. So that was what was pleasing for me as well, just seeing how he's going to work um, and actually push up. You know, Jack Amakis used to do it a little bit, but his first touch was terrible. Oh, much better at controlling the ball and laying it off. So really exciting. Look, there were times where, you know, particularly as the first half wore on, we probably needed someone who was actually sort of, you know, heading closer towards goal, who might have been like Kyogo, closer playing in the box to tap it in. A couple of good crosses came in and flashed across, and we needed someone there to knock it in. But overall, I was was pretty pleased and encouraged by his uh, first start. Yeah, so there was a a VAR incident. I don't really want to bring it up early on. I know how much you love VAR, Shane, so I'm bringing this up and throwing it straight back to you. There was the one where... It ended up getting called offside. I think it was Jota was offside. Now, if VAR didn't exist five years ago, that would have been one of those ones. Everyone's around the, the water cooler on a Monday having a talk saying, how was that? Off? How the, they not give that offside, blah, blah, blah. To me, it was clear as day. You see the yep. social media meltdown during the game over that. It was funny. But I just thought I'll throw it to you because I know how much you don't like VAR in Scottish football, Shane. So what was your take on that? <laughs> at any other incidents? Uh, that was the only one I recall, um, and it was offside. I I didn't really have a problem with it. Um, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. You can't just ignore the offside and pay the penalty and go, well, you know, pick or choose. It was offside, move forward. And I think they came to the decision relatively quickly in comparison to previous uh, situations as well. I don't think there were any other VAR controversies. The only thing I would say, and I'm pretty sure it was Shinny, um, he got away for a while without getting a booking and he was probably lucky to go. I don't even know if he got a booking in the end. I didn't check, but uh, there were a couple of times. He had a few nibbles across the, the first half and early second half and he should have been booked. And that was the only thing I was pretty uh, pretty frustrated with. But um, no, I didn't really have any qualms with the offside. It's offside. Just the only reason I brought it up, thing I found odd, and Mark in the comments has gone, linesman would have flagged it. Stranger linesman in the past, linesman. Strange linesman can't flag it now. So that's the thing. That's number one thing for me. But the other thing was if it wasn't the penalty shout, would that have been pulled back at all and looked at? No, it wouldn't have. So that's no, that's the issue I have with it. The way it was implemented there, it just made no sense to me. But the right decision was made at the end of the day. Yeah, look, and I think the linesman comment's interesting. Um it is becoming frustrating seeing linesmen keep their flags down uh, in what I'd call pretty obvious circumstances where it off, where it's offside. I'd like to see, like, if I can be pragmatic about it, I, I don't like VAR, but obviously it's, it's you know, it's here to stay. If I can take a pragmatic view on it, I'd like to see some sort of instruction that, that makes the linesman or encourages the linesman to make a call if they believe it to be obvious. Um I just you just can't have situations where a player is a foot offside or a leg offside, but the flag remains down until the play breaks up. Like um, I can't remember who made a, a comment about this the other week, but they they basically said what happens if someone is clearly offside, the play continues, someone comes in two footed, breaks their leg, 
you flag for offside earlier, that event doesn't happen, but you let it go to see what happens in the end. Player comes in, gets clipped and breaks their leg. I, I think for the obvious ones, they've got to be encouraged to raise the flag again. I think you've been watching a bit too much Celtic TV commentary there, Shane, saying that. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know, that's I just worked out who that came from. I love Tam. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so um, unless anyone else has got anything particular they want to talk about on the Aberdeen game, I think we've done enough coverage on that. Monday's podcast has covered that off, so we can move on to the next discussion point. You got anything else, Mooney or Liam, you want to add, or are you good to go? No, uh, as usual, it's not the technology, it's the officials that are the problem. That's all I'll say on it. 100%. The, the only thing I, I think... will comment on, I'll finish on, sorry to jump in, Mooney, just I'd comment on, I don't know what was more relentless in that first half, that Celtic performance or the teaming rain. And Mooney, over to you. Oh, it was just something that popped into my mind while you were talking there, Shane, about the idea of a broken leg. It was when Swartzer was in the Premier League many moons ago and there was a case where he came out and he punched the striker in the head as he's gone to clear the ball, but he's hit the striker straight in the head and then the flag's gone up and the comments were he would have been sent off if it wasn't for the offside. So it's that sort of instance where just put your flag up. We're okay with that. Yeah, so. we're, we're obvious, right? Where where it's obvious. If 100%. it's line ball, of course, you've you've got an obligation to maybe let it flow. But you know, if it's clear, just flag. Please. Yep. All right. So we'll uh, bring up a couple of comments here, and then we'll jump on to the next topic. So Andrew Galea, some feedback. He was enjoyed the panel format for the weekend review. Good cover of the other games. Thanks for that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Peter Colliero, I have a picture of a young Kevin Musket in the top Shane is wearing. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me because of the Melbourne victory tie-in with Shane. Uh, we got copyright traders. Baldy Gav was awesome on Tuesday. No worries, Gav. Thanks for the message about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Ross, hail, hail, my fellow Celts. And Mark Dunn made his debut last night on the pod as well. Shirts of quality will get you in any nightclub on the sunny coast. <laughs> but I was thinking of getting you into a club in Darwin, but sunny coast, yeah, Ooh. it's about right as well. This is this is overdressed for Darwin. Yeah, don't have got your got your jandals on, as the, all the Kiwis up there would call them. <laughs> I don't. I'm inside. Oh, uh, yeah, happy days. So, off the, I can't remember if it was before that game on the weekend or after. Graham Shinney stated that Celtic under Ange are better than the Invincibles under Brendan Rodgers. Do you agree with that comment? So we'll throw to you first, Mooney. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, it's a very tough one. I think, you know, if you what does he mean by better? Is it better players or better style of football or better results? Like, you know, better can be defined in many different ways because the quality of player that Rogers had available to him, I think those players individually are better than what we've got now. Whereas the way Celtic play football at this minute under Postacoglu is better than what Brendan Rogers had. So it, it defined better. <laughs> yeah, last week, Shane, it was you and me on the same wavelength. Mooney just took what I was going to say. Like, I think players overall, in terms of the sphere of their career and what they're going to accomplish like Musa Dembele going from Fulham to us to Lyon to Atletico Madrid. 
and wherever his next move is, he's going to have a better career at bigger clubs than someone like Jackamacus and that sort of stuff, right? So looking at situations like that and then Kieran Tierney compared to Greg Taylor, yeah, I get it. But structurally the way we play at the moment, it's much better football and it's more exciting and there's there's more goals. Like when it was Rogers, we'd get two up and then it'd just be pass, 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 and I'd be sitting there going, I'm just waiting for Boyata to, or Simonovic <laughs> to have their bomb scare moment. We don't have that as as often. We have maybe one a game if it's Starfelt making a making a blue or Joe Hart making a blue or whatever, but it's only one time a game instead of like you're, on, you're like hitting your hands like this like four or five times a game back then. So yeah, it's uh it's decent. But yeah, Liam, what's your take on that comment? Um, I think yeah, we are better now. We're a better team because we have a manager now who has a formation in his head and then signs the players that he thinks will fit that formation. Mm. Whereas Rogers, I think it was more a case of get good players and then try and find a formation that suits them. And I, I just prefer the the Ange style of management. Um, I just think if you look at some of the great European and uh, international teams of uh, of you know of history. It's all been about a manager who comes in with an idea and then crafts the the moulds the players to fit that idea rather than having great players and trying to fit a team together. I mean, that's why you have, for example, clubs like Real Madrid who can go out and sign the 11 best players in the world on paper, but then maybe get knocked out of the quarterfinals of the Champions League because they can't get those 11 to play together. So I, I'm a great believer in the idea that having a, a collective unit is much better than having great individuals. So did we have individual players that were maybe better in the Invincible season? Maybe. But I think we are unquestionably a better team now. And we're a much more entertaining team to watch as well. 100% Liam. I'm just a little shocked though that you you let it go through to the keeper there. You mentioned Real Madrid with the better players, but you left out you know, the oil money coming from uh, the Middle East for your Man Cities or your PSGs, I thought you would have gone at those club, those clubs instead of going at um, at Real Madrid in that situation. Oh, because the thing about people in the Middle East is we know they can take a joke, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrew Galea, we're dynamic. Andrew. Ange, Michael Ross, that invincible treble was, abs- was utterly magic. 100% it was. We're not playing that down at all. So, um, yeah, Shane, over to you to wrap up this topic. I think uh, you boys have all hit the nail on the head, uh, to be honest. Uh, the way I'd probably look at it, um, I think Liam's summation is pretty good. Did we have some individual players that were better back then? I think so. Uh, were we a better team overall? It's debatable, but uh, I think the way that this team plays now um, is better than the way the Invincibles team was playing. I think we play uh, a better brand of football. I think we're more exciting to watch. I think... and. I don't know if the stats will back me up on this, but I think we actually do push on and and score um, and actually put a decent gap between ourselves and the opposition, uh, which maybe we didn't do necessarily as much uh, in the Invincible season. Again, stats may uh, prove me wrong on that. But I think probably the thing I'd highlight, and it's something that's of more recent memory, I don't remember a Celtic team ever having this situation where we've got such a strong bench and such a strong 
uh, group of players sitting on the bench that anyone could effectively get into a team, a starting 11 elsewhere, or change a game the way they do, even in the Invincible season. So, look, I think I've, I'm going to sit on the fence. I'm going to get some splinters. I think you can argue either way. But uh, I'm probably more leaning towards this team. And I, I, it'd be interesting to have this debate um, at this point now if we hadn't lost to St. Mirren as well. I just wonder if it would sway a few other people. So this is a put a pin in it, come back to it at the end of the season? I think so. Happy days then. So there was a um, a story, big like hand flyers were handed out and a story coming out for all, called the Celtic End. So the Green Brigade slash North Curve have announced plans to create the Celtic End where there is a whole safe standing section in the Jockstein stand. It would house our version of Dortmund's Yellow Wall, Liverpool's Cop. So basically the safe standing section, the plan is... I thought originally it'd be just the whole bottom deck from corner to corner behind the goals at that end of the stadium, but they're talking about eventually once that's done, expanding it up and doing it the standing in the top deck as well of that part of the stand. Mm. Liam, I'm going to come to you first on that. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Because I've got I've got a few things bouncing around my head here, and I reckon you guys will cover it all off. So we'll go to you first, then we'll go to, then jump to Mooney off the back of that. Right. Um, I think, in principle, it's a great idea. A um, couple of concerns. Uh, one, we need to make sure that there are enough supporters that are willing to say that they're willing to stand for the entirety of a season. Um, if you look at example for things like, like Man United's a good example. Um, going back, you know, maybe 10, 15 years, Old Trafford, large sections of the stadium have, have chosen to stand throughout the match, despite it being an all-seater stadium. Problem is that not everybody in those sections was on board with that. And they're like, well, look, I, you know, I've got a disability, whatever, I physically can't stand for 90 minutes, but I can't see the game now because everybody's standing in front of me. So I think it's important that we are, we are aware of that and the people that would need to relocate to accommodate a standing section need to be okay with that. Um, health and safety, I think, goes without saying. I assume that, that the basic health and safety checks have already been done, otherwise it would not have got this far. Um, so that's, I think that's a box that we can already tick off. Um, my biggest concern with, with this has always been, and I'll preface this by saying that I'm a massive fan of the Green Brigade, their charity work, their banners about certain referees are definitely things I approve of. <laughs> Um, uh, although the comparison to Douglas Ross is a wee bit unfair because what he was likened to does actually serve a biological purpose, whereas a conservative MP doesn't. Um, but what I was, what, I'm getting off topic now. Uh, what I was going to say is that the one thing that worries me a wee bit is the the pyro. Um, now they do the the you know the Green Brigade do like their pyro. Um, more so away games than at Celtic Park, but you do see it at Celtic Park from time to time. Um, that is it's a, it's a spectacular display, but there's also a health risk there. So I think that the club needs to engage with supporters groups proactively about how these displays can be done safely and make sure that no at-risk individuals, i.e. 
people who are elderly, people with heart conditions, people with respiratory conditions are not in a position where they're going to have to choose between their safety and watching the match. Um, because nobody should be put in that position. Um, but I do think the pyro displays are a great thing, and if we can do it safely, then I'm all for it. So, yeah, cautiously optimistic, I think, to sum up. Before we jump to you, Mooney, I just want to touch on something. So, Liam, currently there's 2,700 people sitting in the North Curve section mm-hmm. or standing there. Now, what they have is apparently there's, they've got a list at the moment where there's been at least that amount of people have expressed an interest in if they were to double it, they'd fill that straight away. So they've got a waiting list of about 6,000 people total who have contacted Celtic Shared and that sort of thing and then North Curve Green Brigade to say, yeah, we want to do this. So there's already that sort of thing there. And then if you bring the boys down from the top deck and put them down in there as well, just separate them from, you know, from the Green Brigade though, but still have them both in there, then that will fill that section out even further again. So it is going to work. Now what you're saying about pyro, Sean has put in the comments here, safe pyro is available now, but police won't approve its use. That's what I was just about to say as well because in the MLS, um, I think it's the Orlando team, they have got this they have purple and white as their colours and every week they have a, in their active section, they actually have an area where they've taken out like a bunch of seats, like four or five seats or whatever it is, and that's the safe smoke section where what they'll do is they'll let the pyros off in the, and they're in that section and everyone knows that's where it's going to be and it gets set off and it goes off perfect and at the end of the game they just sweep off whatever's left and clean it up and it's done so it can be done but for me will glasgow city council approve it will the police sign off on like the stadium expansion for more standing will insurance companies do it will the police approve it and another thing as sean said here is they want people to stop migrating to the green brigade corner they need more safe standing is completely necessary and yes agree so there's, there's enough of – so you've got those things, but then you've got enough people who want to do it and want to be there. So it's you've got to weigh it up. It's a needs-must situation. Do we want to do it or do we need to do it? And how are we going to roll this out? So you've got to get a proper plan, roll it out, and have everything checked and balanced to make it happen. Otherwise, it's not going to. But we'll go to you now. Mooney, what's your thoughts? That was exactly what I was going to say with the interest is, yeah, I saw that there was a, there was a large interest for standing support um, at Celtic Park, which is awesome. Um, my question is, I didn't get a chance to look into it too much around Champions League rules and having standing spots in the stadiums. Is that potentially an issue when we make Champions League games or European games? Uh, no, because the same thing with uh, the current section is they're rail seating. So what you've got is at the moment when it's standing, the seats are in, they just click them in and they just lock so they stand up. But then... Dortmund's got a similar issue with theirs where theirs, they just unclip them and the seats fall down and people still have seating. So it gets around it because you've got that lockable seat. Perfect. Yeah. So then it becomes a question of, you know, the need and the want. Do they need to have this or is it like, oh, cool, it's this fancy new thing that we potentially could have because we want it, let's just do it. Are we just going to try it or are they going to go all in for it? So that's, you know, if we're going to go for it, it needs everyone's tick of approval, I think, from the fan base um, active support, all of that, to go, yeah, we all want this, we all want this, because the last thing you want to do is go, we'll do it, and then you have a chunk of fans going, this is trash, what's the point of this, and you know that sort of thing happening. So you don't really want to disgruntle a good thing at the moment. Now, I'm leaving Shane till the end here for a simple reason. 
he loves to stand at the football. South Terrace, Melbourne Victory, that's where you'll find Shane. But originally, when I started going to Victory Games, me and my now wife, just a girlfriend at the time, we had seats over in to the side of the North End active thing where they were all standing. And we were able to sit and we were the fourth row. Then they expanded it over three bays at the front. And a bunch of people who'd been there for five, ten years had to move. My my wife lost her seat that she had for years, probably four or five years at that point. She got moved. And then we were put in the, the row right behind the back of the standing section. So we had to stand anyway. So it's if people have been there, have received seats that their grandfather had or their grand or their uncle had and they've passed it on to them. Mm. And these seats have stayed in the families. There's gonna be that emotional element too, where people are gonna be like I want to stay here. I've been here. I've got friends in this area that I've been going to games with for 20, 30, 40 years. If there's some, and we need to move them across. Well, some people aren't going to want to do that. So there's going to be those issues as well. And those discussions to be had, but I'm sure it'll all work out. But because Shane likes to stand, you get the final say. I think uh, I'm going to really endorse what Liam said. Um, In essence, like I'm a, I think you've nailed it perfectly. I'm, I'm a big fan of active support. I'm a part of the, the South End at Victory Games. And uh, I love standing at the football. And I, I, I get a view of the North End for the Victory Games as well. And sometimes I say I've got the best seat in the house when they're up and about. Um, just looks amazing. Look, I, I love active support. I love what uh, the Green, Green Brigade Green Brigade, geez, try and say that after a few uh, sherbets, uh, bring to um, to the atmosphere. I think it's a, an interesting, it's a very appealing plan to to uh, move that and make it larger and even have both uh, the upper and lower tier. It's very ambitious. And um, like I said, it is appealing. It would make for a hell of an atmosphere, but I can't get away from this point of view is that it's got to be a buy-in from everybody. And I'd, I'd hate to think that we're, getting people to stand who either can't or, or don't really feel keen to do that for a season. Uh, or as you said, Jared, potentially moving people um, out of the way or moving them along to somewhere else in the stadium just to, to essentially make way for it. So a uh, cautiously optimistic is what Liam said. I'm pretty much the same. I think it's a watch this space. Um, it's got to have buy-in from everybody and there'll be a lot of back and forth and discussions going forward, but um, I'll watch with keen interest. Um, it's very appealing. By the last comment here, I will bring that up from RL77. They have to find a balance between those who want to stand, do the Poznan, wave giant flags. They have to find that balance, and that's the key thing. It's going to be hard to get it. There's going to be people upset. People have to move. But at the same time, we're the first club in Britain to have safe standing. Do we want to be left behind? No. So we need to be constantly evolving and growing and adjusting things as a club. The options are we've got a massive wait list of fans as well. Do we expand and do this? And then do we extend the main stand and bring in more seating up there to to offset some of this? Who knows? There's a whole bunch of issues here and things that could be done, but that's for people over in Scotland above my pay grade because, you know, just a podcaster at the end of the day, the other side of the world. But, you know, there's a whole bunch of things there that, need to be done but yeah i'm just uh i think it's a good idea in principle but just got to see how it's rolled out because the way our board is uh some sometimes they uh, couldn't organize a route in a brothel with a handful of hundreds 
There you go. There's, there's your screen grab. <laughs> it wasn't you for once, Liam. <laughs> oh, dear. What a night that was. Anyway. <laughs> Back to your pop noodle, Liam. Back to it. <laughs> All right. So, David Martindale, old mate, old mate that we spoke about a few weeks ago and caused, uh, yeah, was was good fun. We'll, we'll stop there. David Martindale commented that Celtic were the best team in Scotland ahead of Rangers till Michael Beale arrived, and now they're neck and neck. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do here is I want to discuss how wrong he is and how much of a uh, idiot he is. So um, for me, he's, he's clearly wrong. Um, have they made up any points on us? Have they made up any goal difference on us? Have they beaten us? No, we drew with them and we've kept trading points and actually we've grown the goal difference. So I don't really see what he's talking about here. Maybe he's just consuming too much of his own product. What's your take, Liam? I think it's the, for want of a better expression, it's the obligatory I'm a hun comment. Um, he's basically just going out there to say, you know, I'm a Rangers man because I believe this, um, despite the fact that it's entirely detached from reality. Um, And the thing is, you know, the Rangers manager is employing the same tactics just now. He's throwing out comments that are completely delusional and unrealistic. But a certain section of their fan base will lap it up. Um, You know, Chris Boyd has built a career out of it. You know, Um, that's that's the thing. It's it's just such a and the stupid thing is in Scotland because people can say things like that which are obviously wrong and not get challenged on it. They'll keep doing it and it'll keep happening. I mean, I I don't want to get too philosophical here, but to to use an expression that I I was taught when I was studying journalism at university. Um. What one of my lecturers said the basic one of the basic tenets of journalism. If one guy comes to you and says it's torrential rain outside, and if another guy comes to you and says it's the sunniest day on record outside, it's not your job to print both those quotes. It's your job to look outside the window and see what the weather's like. And too many people in Scotland and the Scottish press are just preoccupied with printing whatever guff their rent-a-quote will tell them, rather than actually analysing it, critiquing it, and applying any kind of journalistic um, uh, journalistic ethics to it. Um, and that's just, that's been endemic in Scotland for years. And as Rangers died, and the new Rangers tried to kid on, they're still the same one, this delusion has only got worse. And it feeds into, it becomes this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy where the media prints a lot of delusional crap. Their fans buy loads of papers because it's what they want to hear. They exaggerate and regurgitate said delusional crap. It becomes even more delusional. And then the papers run a story on the same exaggerated delusion and the cycle continues verbatim until you have a team like Rangers thinking that they can go out and win the Champions League. <laughs> That's the best summary, Liam. Yeah. On the screen for those. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
But um, yeah. So we know where you sit on it. Shane Mooney, what do you think? You go, Mooney. I lose brain cells every every time Martindale speaks. I, it, it hurts my brain. The stuff that comes out of this man's mouth, it, it's probably equivalent to what comes out the other end too. Um, hey. my, uh, my, um, uh, there's a reason why Ange said he doesn't look at the other 10 teams because if he's spending his time listening to the other managers, he's going to lose brain cells as well. I, just, I hate this man. Martindale for me, there's a reason why he used to be in jail. It's, I, I, can't, I can't deal with this man. I'm not, I'm not going to comment because we'll get blacklisted and made explicit on Spotify. So You already are anyway. Oh, oh Awesome. <laughs> Uh, you can fill in the blanks for me, Shane. <laughs> there, there's your grab for the week, Jared. What are you talking about before? God. Um, well, yeah, uh, look, we're, we're already blacklisted on Spotify, so that 10 minutes I spent dancing around calling Douglas Ross what I wanted to call him was utterly pointless. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <damn> it. <laughs> uh, look, I, I think Liam made an interesting point, which I want to touch on, which is the fact that... Um, and I don't, I, I didn't actually see where this came from, but I assume that it went unchallenged uh, if he was able to make that statement, because if he was challenged on it, he can't substantiate it. There's, there's no way that you can make that comment and then back it up. Jared, you put it in summation really clearly. Uh, to, to, you know, to Beal's credit, he hasn't dropped or he hasn't lost a game. I'll be very careful when I say that he hasn't lost a game. I think since he came on board, but. Neither have we, and they've made up no points difference. Uh, they've made up no goal difference. Uh, where, in fact, we've actually pulled further away by my count, unless I'm mistaken there. So, in no kind of, I guess, easy judgment way, you can say that they've made up any ground on us. So, to actually think that it's neck and neck, he's almost employing exactly what Beal said when he basically said, Well, I've inherited this, so therefore, uh, it's not my nine point. Uh, deficit essentially well if you're thinking like that good luck to you but no he's completely wrong and um, I I think uh, all signs point to that it's not my nine point deficit but you signed up to a nine point deficit when you took the job so it is mate it is (laughs) exactly anyway we'll, um, we'll leave that topic there we'll crack into previewing Celtic versus Sevco in the Glasgow Derby League Cup final on Sunday afternoon UK time, Monday morning our time. So for me and Shane, what is it, like a 2 a.m. kickoff? Yeah, I think it's a 2 a.m. kickoff for us. So um, that'll be a good start to Monday Monday morning's work. Mooney, 1 a.m. for you. And and then Liam, what would that be? Midnight for you? Midnight, yep. Midnight. Yeah. Fun so times, yeah, that, right? that, that's going to be <laughs> Monday morning's going to be an interesting one because I've got four classes in a row on Monday, and uh, Liam Sense is going to need a bit of quiet time if Celtic don't win on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what? You won't need any quiet time then. There you go. That's my opinion. So, um, got to start off with with what we all what we all over here woke up to, and just sitting there. Looking like he just wants to turn around and just chin Michael Beale at a press conference yesterday. Did you guys go in? Did you watch the press conference at all? Because I went and tracked down the full one where both of them were sitting next to each other. And when Beale was talking, 
Andrew's just looking away, looking back, looking anywhere in the room, trying to pay him absolutely no attention. Just his body. We're going to go back to the old 10 in a row season, but the old um, body language expert in me just goes, Ange wanted to be anywhere but next to that absolute FUD. <laughs> what, was your, what was your take on it, Shane? Yeah, it was an interesting picture to come out. It was um, that still of Ange just sort of looking sort of into the distance and almost kind of said just, you know, get me out of here kind of thing. Like, um, but I didn't, I didn't watch the full uh, duo press conference. Um, I watched uh, the one that Ange sort of did uh, on his own and, and took a few notes down from it. Look, it, it's actually an interesting point about this kind of um, – Maybe we're talking about Beal and the way he sort of um, runs his mouth and says a few things that he can't really substantiate. But if you go back, I'm pretty sure the relationship between Van Bronckhorst and Postacoglu was relatively okay. In fact, if I recall correctly, they actually uh, went out to dinner at at some point as well. So it seemed like there was a mutual kind of respect between the two and a a general kind of... um, a likeness uh, or a liking of each other. And I just wonder if that's sort of presented some of the way Michael Beale comes along and sort of says a few things, which is kind of like we we can't have that kind of friendly approach. It's got to be more abrasive. It's got to be getting people offside because some of the things that come out are just, uh, just things you can't substantiate. But, no, it was an interesting still. And... Um, Look, like I said, I didn't watch the double act, but I did watch Ange and uh, he answered a few things. And it was quite, I'll be honest, it was quite inspiring, his press conference. And he nailed the smart casual look. It's always frustrating when someone comes over dressed to a party. He wouldn't have fit in with us tonight, I'll tell you that much. The jumper wouldn't have worked. But (laughs) what about you, Mooney? What was your take on it all? Yeah, he didn't have enough tie-dye on his shirt. (laughs) Nothing wrong with the tie dye. <laughs> oh dear, no. It's uh, I I likened him to Beal to a poor man's Postacoglu. He's come in trying to run his mouth, trying to get all of the uh, Rangers fans to buy into him being this charismatic character. Where anyone that's not wearing blue looks at him like, "What the hell is this guy talking about?" Like, honestly, what is he talking about? I just he, he's like Martindale. I, I can't stand both of them. They just talk so much rubbish. And I think that Postacoglu feels that similar way. Just any time that Beal opens his mouth or runs his gob, you know, Postacoglu doesn't have the time of day for people like that. You know, Bronkhorst was at least honest in what he saw um, and what he said. And I think Postacoglu appreciated that and had that mutual understanding going, well, this guy sees it. He knows it's not going great. And he calls it a spade a spade. Beal just, it, it could be going trash and he's like, oh, no, this is great. Yeah, everything's awesome or whatever, whatever have you. So, I, yeah, I, that, that was my take of it. it you know, as, a, as a school teacher myself, whenever I'm getting angry at a couple of kids, that's what that's the dynamic that I had. Just two kids looking away, not wanting a piece of it. And they, were, they had a blue 15 minutes beforehand and now they're both in my office and they're refusing to make eye contact. <laughs> Perfect. That's the one. That's the picture. <laughs> For me, uh... <laughs> Oh I'm, my looking God. At, I'm looking at that Classic. going. Yeah, it's just Ash is brilliant. But yeah, like I think you guys were saying, like Ange come in and he's trying to he hit the ground running and he had that little mic'd up thing. We never stop. And that's become a catchphrase. That's kind of like Bill's coming. He's like, oh, I've got to um got to get some sort of catchphrase going on. So he's just throwing as much shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, basically. It's not my deficit. Yep. 
So some of the stuff he's saying is just ridiculous. But yeah, um, off the back of that, we'll um, bring it up just for one more laugh. Like, put on your hands, chin him, chin him. Coming to TVs near you this summer. I'm a football manager. Get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ange versus Beal. Whose tactics will win the day? I think we all agree that the way we play and if we play to our best of our ability and the, the way we normally play and the form we're currently in, we should, we should beat them quite comfortably. I think we'd all agree on that. Like, yeah, I mean, if, if someone well, asked me what sorry, he thought not, about... Not comfortably. I'm not just going to say yeah. that, but we should win. If uh, if somebody asked Beal what he thought about tactics, he'd probably say, nah, I prefer polo mints. You know? <laughs> <sighs> I thought they were neck and neck since Beal came in. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, <sighs> but yeah, it's, um, I think it's one of those ones where, like, the way they'll play, we all, we all know... The way they'll set up, it's usually the the four two three one, and that's the way. And they'll try to hit you on the counter where we try to press, and we've got our our four three three with the inverted fullbacks jamming up the middle of the park. So I think we'll have too much pace for them. And as I've spoken about last time we played them, is if they come out there and they've got Tavernier on one side and Barisic on the other side, and we line up opposite them with say Maeda and Abada. The directness of our of our wingers will just just get outside and just destroy them. Like that's why our Barisic has been in a barter's pocket for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wipe the floor with them, no questions. Uh, I really, I, I just, I think that the thing is, Beal has been very stupid because all of the rhetoric he's been bringing out, he has built everything on this game at the weekend. Because all the same people, all the same sorry, people, as they say, right, who have been saying, oh, aye, aye, he's right, he, he's telling them what it's all about, aye, 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 no surrender, whatever. Um, they're the same people that are going to be demanding he gets sacked on Monday morning if we pump them. Yep, because exactly. that's the way they think. It's, it's, a, it's a zero-sum game with them. It's all or nothing. And Beal has been shooting his mouth off and, uh, you know, What's the phrase? Uh, his uh, his mouth is writing checks that his uh, his body can't cash. Um, hmm. So I think uh, a wee reckoning could be coming his way after Sunday's game. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, so, I think you make a. Oh, sorry, Liam. Oh, sorry, uh, Jared. Sorry. Go on, Shane. I was just going to say, Liam, you, you're right. He's um, look, he's making a rod for his own back by doing all this, and when it if it falls over, that rhetoric you know, is going to run thin with people on that side of who who wear the blue tinted specs, it's going to run very thin very quickly if it doesn't yield results. It's one thing to build it up like that, but when you don't deliver, people eventually turn around and go, you know what, this isn't working and you promised us the world and you've not delivered the world. And you're right, people will turn around very quickly and say, you're out. He yeah. doesn't have the name behind him like Gerard had for three years. Hmm. And that's the thing. That's the difference. Here. Jared could come out and make stupid comments, but he had that name and that aura about him. Bill was his assistant. He doesn't have that, that background. He went to QPR and left after how long? Like half, not even half a season. He's, he just doesn't have that behind him. So if he's going to keep making stupid comments, I think the best um, thing was, I think it was Jamie Vardy said it back in the day, 
when Leicester won the title, chat shit, get banged. I think that's how it's <laughs> going to end up for him. <laughs> I love that quote. Best. Uh, well. uh, all right. So we've got a comment here from um, RL77. Beaton's tactics could be crucial. That ties into the next thing I wanted to discuss. Nick Walsh as ref and John Beaton as far ref. Seriously, what could go wrong? Like, come on. What what could go wrong here? What could go right here? Oh, what could go right? <laughs> Forget about what could go wrong. I think we can we can talk about that until the cows come home. Um What's to say that hasn't already been said on this kind of situation countless times before, I guess? Um, we're just going to have to Ross do everything. Said it. Remember, <laughs> there it is. That's what's to say. Uh, I, I think you summed it up, Michael. I, look, I, I don't have much to add other than we're going to have to um, we're going to have to do our best and uh, then some to, uh, to make sure that we put a gap between ourselves and them. We don't want to leave it to chance. Chance. I mean, the good thing is, though, right, the refs are biased, bigoted, whatever, but they're also exceedingly incompetent. So even if they do want to conspire to give Rangers the penalty, they might not even be able to concoct the scenario properly because even cheating requires competence. So Fair I don't facts. know. But that's why I think it'll be 5-1 because I think they oh, will get... Ahead, Liam. Come on. No, I just... Let's just let's just be honest, right? You know, I saw a thing the other day. A guy says, you know, I uh, he says I got married and I bought a house, my own car, and I'm financially secure at age 21. How you ask? Always stick a fiver on Tavernier to score a penalty. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, factual. I think that's pretty factual. But yeah, so. Unless you got anything to add to that, Mooney will jump onto the uh, starting lineups we expect for both teams. I'll leave my VAR comments till next week when we're definitely talking about it. Don't worry, we've still got that down later. I want to put together a bunch of silly things for us to quick answer and that to, to joke through. So, so starting expected lineups. So the easiest thing I've done is just for just for a laugh. I know we all hate the sun, so I managed to get how Rangers could line up against Celtic, their predicted one, and how Celtic will range up, line up against Rangers. So I've got theirs as a starting point, and then we can pick at them, laugh at them however we want, and go from there. So they're saying Sevco will line up with McGregor in goals, oh. Vernier, Goldson, Davies, Barisic, Kamara and Raskin, Sakala, Cantwell, Kent, and Morelos. That's what they're saying. Goldson being goalkeeper? Yeah, it's goals. <laughs> they can't have two keepers. What? Uh. Yeah, so that's what they're saying for them. The only one I could possibly look at is, um, what's that annoying bloke? Arfield. I reckon. I reckon we'll potentially see him, mm. him in there instead of maybe Raskin or Kamara in one of those two spots. That's the only possible change. I think. I reckon they've got that pretty spot on. Now for us, this is the funny one. Hart. Johnson, Carter, Vickers, Starfelt, Taylor. Hatade, McGregor, O'Reilly. Now up front, they put Jota on the left. Kyogo in the middle. And they put Maeda on the right. When does Maeda play on the right if he's out there with Jota? 
That's Never the one position, that. mate, I can't play. Exactly. <laughs> that's, the, that's the front. It's the one position you can't play. So I found that quite a little amusing. That's why I, that's why I brought it up, Liam, because I knew you'd love it. Well, if Thanks there's anybody that, 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 that we can depend on to, you know, always skew to the right, it's the sun. But, you know, let's not go there. Yeah, we'll leave that one there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for me, I'm thinking it'll be their heart. The back line's fine. The question mark position will be, there was a comment early on about O and people talking about will he start in that game on the weekend. I don't think he will if Kyogo is ready to go. So I actually reckon we'll probably say if if he was not, if Kyogo isn't fit enough to start, then I wouldn't surprise me if Maeda's playing in the middle. And then we've got Jota on the right, Abada on the left. That's So that's the way I look at it. So it's going to be Kyogo and Maeda in the, in the central striker thing to start with. And then the next question is, is it O'Reilly or is it Moy? The form Hattade's in, you can't drop him. Mm-hmm. And then the other question is, will Hart play in goals or will it be um, Segrist? Is he fit yet and is he back? Or will Hart be in goals for the final? They're the only questions I've got. The defence is set. I'm happy with what, what I think that is. But what do you boys think? Who do you think will be in the midfield? Will it be Moy or will it be O'Reilly? What do you think, Mooney? I want Moy. I think I think it was a mistake in the last game for Postacoglu to not play Moy against Rangers. I think this is the perfect opportunity as well. It's almost as if it's built up to a cup final to start Moy against Rangers because it was the last game that you know a lot of us felt Moy should have started that game. Moy should have been there. He would have helped that midfield. I think in this game, the midfield of McGregor, Moy and Hatate, I think that would be almost the best balance in that midfield. I think, you know, the intelligence of McGregor and everything that he does with the experience of Moy and his ability to just switch the ball and his passing range. And then um, Hatate is just flair. I think those three together, I, I, that's my favourite. I, I hope that's our midfield. I think it's more of a I hope rather than it is. But that's, uh, that's my comment on the midfield. But that's, yeah, that's where I'm sitting on that one. Yeah, just just one thing, Moy on that big wide open pitch at Hampton. Yeah, it's going to be good for him in there with his range of passing. Yeah, those big switches. Yep, Shane, what's your take? Who will be? Yep. Who will start as a striker? And which of the what will be the midfield dynamic for you? Well, Kyogo starts for me, and if he's injured, it's Maeda. Um, I did love what O brought on on the weekend, but it's a big step up to go and start in, in a cup final. Uh, in a Glasgow derby, um, I'd, I'd still favour someone who's had a bit more experience. So Kyogo gets a nod if he's injured, Maeda comes in. Uh, in terms of midfield, uh, it's another vote for Moy for me, and Mooney touched on exactly why I'd want that to be. Um, yep, exactly, Michael Ross, totally agree. He has been superb since the World Cup. And I think we need his his not only his range of passing and his ability to spray the ball out, left and right on the uh, wide open Hamden pitch. But uh, we need his calmness as well. I think he plays off of well with Hatate and the work rate that Hatate brings. I think they complement each other pretty well. If you have Moy, Hatate and McGregor as the midfield three, we could easily argue that we've got the best three midfielders in the country, like easily. E- any one of those could stake a claim to being the best midfielder in the country. And I think that's our um, best midfield three at the moment. Uh, Hart starts in goal for me. Uh, look, I wouldn't read too much into what happened at, against Aberdeen. It was wet. He just wanted to get involved. 
made a hash of it. Oh, well, but he'll be fine. I think the other thing that's probably worth debating is who's on the right. Uh, does Jota retain his place? Do we bring a barter in to terrorise Barisic again? I'm actually leaning towards Jota at the moment, uh, purely because I really like the uh, synergy that he and Maeda have built up across left and right. Um, and I'm also enjoying what Abada brings coming on later into the match as well. So uh, I'd stick with Jota, but it's an easy shout to put Abada in as well. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. For me, I was going to say bring a bar, bring a Barter off the bench and um, let him torment the weary legs of Barisic later on. Just to imagine you Barisic, you've just you know been pressed and harassed for like 20 minutes. Oh, sorry, for when there's 20 minutes to go, and then all of a sudden you look up and the board goes up and you see a barter coming on, you'd be like, oh, shit. Yep, good fun. Yeah, here, here's one for you, right? A couple of ideas that I've got. Now, the midfield, I agree, Moy is in there, right? It's, it's uh, you know, I think he would have played last week, but there might have still been a question mark about him being fully fit. Um, he's in. Joe Hart, you need big characters for big games, and he's one of the biggest characters at the club. So he's in goal, no question. Um, now, there's a couple of ideas for the, the, the front pairing. I agree that Kyogo is is a must start if he's fit. Um, so too is Maeda. Um, if, if Kyogo starts through the middle, then Maeda is obviously on the left. And on the right... Um, Jota and Maeda, like you say, have had that great interplay in recent games. But I'm going to throw a couple of wild ones here. If we Don't want to, no, 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 no. I'm I'm just going to throw a couple of ideas here just to see what you think, right? Now, a couple of people have said, "Well, O has that physicality," and you look at how Jackamakis's physicality was really effective against against Sevco in the last couple of games, um, which is true. So, should he start? Now, you don't drop Kyogo because there's no way you go into a game like that and drop your, your top goal scorer. You don't do that. But Kyogo did play on the right before at Vissel Kobe. Uh, so, you do have the option of Maeda on one side, Kyogo on the other, and O in the middle. That is something that could be considered. Um, because if you do that, you get those three running that Rangers defence ragged throughout the first half. And then in the second half, you can bring in Abada, Jota and Haksabanovic if you want to, who could then run at those tired legs with their trickery and their pace and hopefully win some free kicks, maybe even some penalties. Um, Akuma kid, we're not going to get a penalty against that mob. But, but you know, logic would dictate that that should be a, a thing, a, something to think about. But... Um, no, I think that's what I think is an option. But what I think will actually happen is it will be Maeda, Kyogo and Jota that will start. But I think O, Haksibanovic and Abada will all come on at some point and play a part as well because they are all great impact players. All right, Liam, I'm going to bring something up for you. Liam had O starting the game last night on Axon. Has to be Kyogo. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> And then there's this Lawrence, comment here. Lawrence Keep last Kyogo... night had all had had starting. Yeah. Keep Kyogo mm. away from the wing. There you go. Mm. Now, yeah. I think I think it's going to be interesting. Like As we say, it's a squad game. We've got two for every position, so we'll be fine. 
So are there any particular matchups you guys want to watch out for other than Goldson, the, Goldson being a goalkeeper again or the Barisic-Jabada thing that we've <laughs> spoken about? Are there any others that you want to highlight before we get into our educated guesses on the game to start to wrap up our coverage of the match? Yeah, well, I'll go. Um, I think like the big matchup I had, like it's like a little standoff. Now, the big matchup I had is actually we touched on it briefly with the um, the tactics. I think the game will be won on the counter. So whether it's hopefully not Rangers countering us or we're countering their counter. So that pace, the whoever we have on the wing versus their fullbacks versus whoever they have on their wing versus our fullbacks, I think those matchups are absolutely key for the game. And for that, I think Maeda, my brain isn't braining right now, Maeda um, versus Travenier, I think that's going to be the big matchup and where we're going to win the game. So that's my biggest matchup. Um, getting back to when we last played at Ibrox, we obviously had the Greg Taylor injury pretty early on. Juranovic came on and uh, played pretty poorly. And, you know, I think it came out later. He's relatively physically underdone. Um, I'm pretty sure, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, Fashion Sakala uh, plays on that on the right for them. Um, so it would be interesting to see if he matched up on Taylor. Um, I think that would be one to watch. I thought he was pretty dangerous last time at Ibrox, so would be wanting to keep him in check if possible. Yeah, uh, t- Taylor versus Morelos will be good as well. Shut your whole fat boy round two. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, I, I, I think that, uh, like you say, Maeda going down that wing is going to be crucial um, because not only is he going to draw, you know, he's going to draw free kicks, he's going to draw fouls, but he's also going to draw their defenders away from Kyogo or oh, whoever is starting. Um, and I think that is just as important. As we saw at the weekend when O created that space for Hatate to do his wee bit of skill for his second goal. Um, the the work that players do off the ball is, is just as important to a successful Ange team as the players on the ball. And I think Maeda just is the embodiment of that. The amount of off-the-ball work that he does that a lot of fans don't notice um, is going to be absolutely vital. And, you know, if Morelos wants to set him up for another goal, that would be much appreciated. Hey, Mooney got a comment here saying, I want to see Maeda rip Tavernier out of bits. So there you go. <laughs> Ties into what you were saying. Michael Ross, confident right now, but come kickoff will be a nervous wreck. And RL77, Red Ange won't make the game, suffering from an earache apparently. (laughs) 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 That explains the look. He's like, what's wrong with my ear? Yeah, that explains. Is that the look he gave when uh, Yossip asked for a day off? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. Do you know, just look at that picture again. No, Beale is like the living embodiment of, you know, that, that meme of the dog in the house that's on fire. He's like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> so what we'll do to uh, wrap this up is um, we've got some educated guesses. So this is going to be around around the screen. So I'll say something and then we'll just go first name that pops into our head. 
All right. So we've got here. So the first player booked, Mooney, who will it be? Heart for time wasting in the 95th. Shane. If Lundstrom plays, hopefully Lundstrom. Liam. Maeda for over celebrating his opening goal. <laughs> I was going to say um, mine will be, yeah, Cal McGregor because it's going to be for a repeat fouls, but he's only going to have fouled, made one foul and it'll be his first one, but he'll get booked for like, get credited with like four or five. So that's that's my one there. Um, first scorer, Mooney. Maeda. Shano. Kyogo. Liam. Maeda. Rangers penalty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The next one. The next one is the minute. The minute, the minute of the Rangers penalty. Sixty-nine. Oh, you just had to, didn't you? <laughs> had to. <laughs> uh, Thirty second. The, the thirty second minute or thirty seconds in? What, what do you mean? There? <laughs> I can't be wrong. This le- I'll leave it ambiguous. <laughs> um, and it will be given on sixty six minutes, and just for poetry, Joe Hart will save it on sixty seven minutes. Ooh, I like that. Joe Hart saving a penalty. There you go. Mm. Yeah, maybe in the I don't know. Let's go the twelfth minute of the game. Be nice and early, I reckon. Uh, the twelfth man steps up in the twelfth minute and gives him a penalty. Uh, that's yep. appropriate. The next one. How many VAR checks will we get? Like, how many times will they? So, for me, I'll just jump in here. Be for every one of our goals. Yep. Plus about three made-up offside calls, I reckon. What do you reckon, Mooney? It's going to turn into the Super Bowl, and they'll be putting offense and defense, and have ad breaks in between each VAR check at this stage. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Right. Game will be over by five o'clock. Five a.m. for us oh. if it starts at two. <laughs> what do you reckon, Shane? Uh, five for me. The goals plus a couple of incidents. Liam, I'll say seven. But however many VAR checks there are, it won't be as big as the checks that Rangers will have given beaten allegedly. <sighs> Here's the next one for you. Who will become the next hand scalper? Carl Mooney has to be Aaron Moy. It's his time. Yep, another vote for Moy. Liam, me, me on Facebook on Monday morning. No, um, <laughs> uh, I am gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say O. I think O is gonna come on and score a goal. Don't know if it'll be the winning goal, but I think he will score at least one. I'm doing my one for you, Shane. You've been mentioning him, saying he's going to score. He's going to score for weeks and weeks and weeks. I'm claiming him right now. It's going to be Haksabanovich. He's going to come mm. off the bench. Tavernier will be worn out and then go whack, whack, whack and score a hat trick. <laughs> Done deal. Final score predictions. Because I just said it'll be a hat trick for Haksabanovich. Abada's got to get one against Barisic as well. Yeah, I'm saying 4-1. You reckon Mooney? I reckon it'll be a come behind. We'll win 4 2. Shane? Uh, 3 1, uh, Kyogo, Moy, and I'll get on the Haksabanovich train as well. Liam? 
5-1, Tavernier penalty. Um, Kyogo, Maeda, O, Hatate and McGregor. Off even score is lovely. Hmm. And man of the match, Uni, who you got? Nick Walsh. <laughs> Shane. Cal Mack. Liam. Uh, Cameron Carter Vickers. He's going to make we Alfie's bitch. <laughs> <laughs> There's the explicit content. We're already being there. Already big, <laughs> and uh, man of the match for me, yeah, it'll be. I reckon it'll be Haxabanovich coming on getting his hat trick. There you go. Yep. Gotta stick to that, otherwise, I look like an idiot. So, all we're gonna do is bring up a couple of comments to wrap up that before we go to our final thoughts and last little discussion topic thing. So, Vinny with a comment, hope no VAR influence in the cup final. Andrew Galea, this game is everything for Sevco. Their season is gone. They'll be broken after we pump them. Yeah. Um, uh, a message here from Mrs. Hill, my wife. Shocking shirts, lads. <laughs> Thank you. Dermot, Dermot Celtic Rabido, how hail. Looking forward to a close 4-1 win with a penalty. Good to see you back, Dermot. Appreciate the comment. And then a joke from Michael Ross. Sevco fan walks into a bar. What was the score with Rangers? Barman replies, 3-0 Celtic. Sevco fan says, oh, who missed our penalties? <laughs> Perfect way to finish it off. That was a good good joke. Had to give credit because of how much it was written there. So, um, yeah, we've, um, last little thing we wanted to touch on before our final thoughts. I just wanted to um, sort the sad news this morning. I know it's not Celtic related, but... Um, the owner and chairman of Hibs, Ron Gordon, passed away like in the last 24 hours. Uh, was battling some cancer. So sad news, condolences to him and to his family. And, uh, yeah, just wanted to touch on that because, you know, Hibs are, you know, the, the, the better of the two teams from Edinburgh. So there we go. Now, Mooney. We have a final thought. Can be anything at the end of the podcast. So I'll give you some thinking time. We'll go to Shane first. What's your final thought, Shane? Uh, I can't remember if I mentioned it last week or the week before. Um, I'm just going to bring it up again. I've been pretty critical of the A-Leagues and the APL this season on a number of factors and decisions. But one thing they've got right uh, is the decision to have a pride round. And that pride round uh, in the A-League is this weekend. Um, so uh, they'll also be uh, specifically punctuated with a, a game between Melbourne Victory and Adelaide United for the Pride Cup. And look, it's really about uh, inclusion and, and celebrating the LGBTI plus community. And look, for me, football should be a safe space no matter what race, religion, creed, gender or sexual orientation you are. So I think this is a really important move, one that, um, you know, I'll be going along on Sunday and I'll be in the stands um, supporting this initiative. So well done to the league and the APL. Liam? Um, hmm. Okay. Uh, I would just say that um, I think that there's some very irresponsible people in the Scottish media this week who are stirring things up. And I just hope 
that there isn't any outbreak of violence on Sunday when a certain team gets the doing that I think they're going to get because the media have hyped them up to be something that they're not. Quickly answer this question before my final thought. Is the crowd tickets 50-50 for both clubs? Yes, it is for the cup final. Now, my final thought is to everyone in the Scottish media and even the bloke over here who reported that Ange is a link to um, being linked to Leeds. Jam it. <laughs> Yavi Garcia agrees to become Leeds United head coach. You can write your stories. You can try and, you know, it's, you didn't want him. You didn't think he was going to do any good at Celtic. Now you're trying to bin him and get him out the door. Shove it. He's with the good guys. Mooney, what's your final thought? Fuck cancer. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Oh, hail to that. I have to agree 100%. So um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. If you haven't already done so, hit the like button, subscribe to the Soak Down Under podcast via your podcast app and on YouTube. Uh, if you're on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Celtic Down. You can find us on Facebook. We've got a group and a page there. Just search Soak Down Under. Look for the logo, the boxing kangaroo over the, over the shamrock. And, um, yeah, see you next Wednesday for this show and tune in on Monday for the weekend review and Tuesday for the Tuesday crew. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Hail, hail.